connect to them. Drive Barnes Eagle, connect to them. Drive Barnes Eagle, connect to them. Drive Barnes. This is the final barn. Yeah. Welcome to the finale, the big finale of the Boney Island Whitefish, the one and only podcast there will ever be about specifically season five of the procedural drama slash comedy-ish, I guess, uh, Bones. I think what we learned, if anything, is that they believe it to be a a drama with lighthearted elements, but quite frequently the lighthearted elements are the ones that are most, um, you might say, depressing or sort Mm -hmm. of um, frightening when thought about uh, closely. Mm. Do not care for the comedy in this show and many other aspects of this show. <laughs> no, um, and I think that's, that's why we should probably emphasize that this truly was uh, a project to watch Bones Season 5. Everyone saying, oh, they're going to start Season 6 at some point in the comments. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> season 5 and You've Season 5 alone. Wrong. Season five only and forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we ended up taking a bit of a a bit of a pause between uh, the penultimate episode, which apparently had some bad audio because I had a new studio set up, um, and this one because of uh, various uh, el- things to do with the coronavirus, lockdowns, Christmas, and so on. Um, but we are pleased to be able to bring you this, the closer, the finale, the um, the capstone on our. Uh, exploration of what in retrospect has been uh, one of the shows that sort of like Pareto optimizes strangeness and mainstream popularity. So weird. Yeah, we have to take a break in order to go and uh, help Joe Biden win the American election. Mm Mm-hmm. But we we've done that. We've achieved that now. we, We were there replacing parts in Dominion voting machines with other parts. Um, the we part- were there replacing <laughs> organs in Joe Biden as they shut down. We were there replacing Joe Biden's organs into the into the Dominion voting machines <laughs> because we're doing electoral <laughs> fraud Cronenberg style. That's right. Crack one of those bad boys open. There's just a decrepit, dusty old heart in there, beating, <laughs> pumping the ink around into mm-hmm. the tickets. That's right. And uh, congratulations to uh, President David Cronenberg. <sighs> I wish. Yes, I I, wish. turning Imagine America what he into a could do with like public broadcasting. <laughs> I don't know every every television in America to be replaced with like lump of flesh that groans the news at you. <laughs> oh, every presidential address where he comes on the TV and blood starts oozing down the screen. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like Biden's got a little bit of the Cronenberg about him. I mean, every senior U.S. politician is kind of a sort of case study in the mortification of the flesh. He, uh, he is the desiccated man. Yeah. Truly. He, he looks like, um, uh, in, the, in the classic piece of cinema, since we're talking about auteurs, um, the classic piece of cinema, Austin Powers, <laughs> gold member. <laughs> he got t- 10 minutes standing ovation and gone. <laughs> Uh, hideously snubbed at the Oscars. Um, if you remember the character Goldmember, also played by Mike Myers, 
uh, he had a tendency to pull off like big sheaths of his own skin mm-hmm. and either place them in a little thing for safekeeping or to eat them. And that's kind that's of so the vibe funny. that Joe Biden's head gives me. That's right. That you could just kind of, you know, grab a little flake and just peel away a whole layer like, you know, part of the outside of an onion. Mm-hmm. And dip it in a little uh, house-made aioli. Um, <laughs> I found uh, I, f- I found the pictures that I took when I um, when I went to uh, uh, Danish restaurant Noma a couple of years ago. Oh um, yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, and uh, one of the one of the courses was uh, a monkfish liver that was cooked through flash freezing, which was delicious, but uh, looks remarkably. Like uh, what would happen if you grabbed a um, a little pinch of Joe Biden's forehead and then spun him around like a lathe? God, that's that easy as skin would come off. Yeah, oh, it would just slough right off. He'd be the scariest Halloween president. He'd finally make America into Halloween town. You know when uh, you're toasting marshmallows? Oh yeah, this is probably oh, a thing that me, I do I more than you because I have small children. Yes. Uh, when toasting marshmallows and uh, the outside is all toasted and so, like you can just kind of pinch it and pull mm-hmm. and like the whole toasted skin on the outside will just slide off the oh, molten yeah. center. It's kind of what I picture happening if you like um, maybe pinched Joe Biden's nose <laughs> and just sort of pulled up. Oh, yeah. You, you really cannot play got your nose with a senior U.S. politician. <laughs> Um, the thing is, they're all so sort of at this point mentally decayed that they would be confused by got your nose. Like they would find it delightful, but also you would then have their nose, which you don't want. That's, 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 that's my nose, Jack. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Um, anyway, well, congratulations to America. All the problems are solved. Done. Yep. Sorted. Yep. That's it. It uh, is wild. I mean, you know, we are we are speaking on what is, from my perspective, the twentieth of January. Mm-hmm. I believe it's the twentieth of January for you two across the seas. Uh, yeah, this is something we have in common. Yeah, um, and I can just say because it the is the healing uh, is already beginning it. in the post-Trump era. We've realized we have this in common. Well, and and I have a bit of an advantage over Americans, which is uh, living in the time zone that I am in. It's already eight thirty p.m on january the 20th and i can confirm from the future racism gone mm-hmm. donald trump that's is right. out racism is done that's it i i am having brunch in my best pantsuit tomorrow yeah that's that's it uh we're all, all the thing is it's um it's still eight thirty here in the uk so we still have a little bit of racism left um mm-hmm. so i will be uh i'm actually in I'm in a suit uh, at the beginning of my um, my comedy show that is very popular on late night TV, and uh, I am uh, crying um, about <laughs> uh, the president. Uh, I'm delivering my opening comedy monologue where I talk about how hard it's been in the last four years, uh, and then I, um, I'm going to cry about the president. And um, tomorrow, I'm going to go back to like making my opening monologue stuff like, um, you know, what's the similarity between Greeks and Albanians <laughs> and stuff like that? Um, oh, man. Yeah. What the fuck happened to Stephen Colbert? Oh, God. I mean, my honest opinion of what happened to late night hosts is that like someone said at some point that comedians were the new philosophers and they all sort of 
developed a sense of importance and civic responsibility that they just is totally unwarranted by um, sort of anything. And, you know, it's one of these things where you have a responsibility to use your platform for good. And so then, you know, basically they became like, I don't know, blue state Bill Mitchell, who I still remember fondly. (sighs) Big Billy. Secretly uh, fat. Do we... Do we blame John Stewart? Like, e- even if, like, sort of unintentionally, because I really feel like, um, particularly, particularly in the Bush years, end of the Bush years, people really had that whole kind of ah, this the Daily Show is the real news because mm-hmm. they're cutting and insightful and really holding people to account. Yeah, you know, prime prime Bones era. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I bet that's what yeah, the writers of Bones would have said to one another. Exactly. Yeah, they don't, I don't. I don't watch CNN. I get my news from the Daily Show. And, anyway, uh, time to write this episode of Bones. <laughs> Let's start the <laughs> clock. We have forty-five minutes. <laughs> now, before we get into Bones, we must yeah. do our final oh, no. uh, breakfast slash news uh, slash dinner update. Yes. Hi, Andrew. For this. For this final edition of Breakfast Update, I can report uh, that the orange Le Creuset mug was in the dishwasher, and I had to use the second best of the best of the S tier mugs, the Cerise Red Le Creuset mug. Uh, for uh, actual breakfast, uh, it consisted of a, a long piece of toasted sourdough bread that was baked for me by my friend, who is trying to um, who is. Uh, uh, let's say exercising her dissatisfaction with her law career uh, and starting a Instagram-based baking company. She's incredibly good at it. Uh, additionally, I had three eggs from a, uh, a, a, a company called Fenton Farm. They are branded such that they are more expensive than the normal Tesco eggs, and you have to get them in the small store that has like a lot of almond milks. I am not really aware if there is an actual difference or if the uh, superior taste and texture and color of the eggs is just my brain playing tricks on me to try to justify the increased expense. Over to you, Andrew. You should be able to tell by the color of the eggs. I yeah, think. they're actually very good. They're 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 very nice. I I quite uh, so they're my Richard, second favorite. They're my second favorite egg after cackle bean. <laughs> oh well, for I I got up and went for a run this morning. So when I came home, I had a smoothie, a smoothie, very smooth. A um, couple of ice cubes, a shot of coffee, a few scoops of chocolate protein powder, uh, one whole banana. A spoon of peanut butter. Uh, I thought something else. In there. Oh, one egg from my chickens. See, that's better than even a cackle bean. Is if it's your yeah. chicken. Just walk down to the backyard, open up the little little hutch there, say, "What's happening, ladies?" Mm-hmm. And if they've got a little eggy for me, I grab the egg. Yeah. Put an egg in there. Topped it off with uh, lactose-free milk because I think that's the direction I'm heading. Right. Of course. Are you clear in rooms? Um, no, not so much that as, uh, that's never really been an issue for me. It's more a thing that has been persistent throughout my life is drinking a coffee in the morning and then about 29 minutes and 50 seconds after that going, ah, I must go and do a paint job on the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) 
oh yeah that th- and, there's a reason and why it's very, and it's very urgent and it has to happen now <laughs> the thing there's a reason why the the bony island whitefish tends to accelerate we tend to accelerate through the script around minute 45 <laughs> that's right <gasps> it's in me <laughs> well um because yeah I've, I've thought back on my life and i feel like for years i i worked for this company in melbourne and uh, I would get these coffees in the morning that were just like, like pint-sized kind of thing, and I don't mean that in the small way. I mean, like five hundred mil or mm-hmm. whatever your weird pint is in the UK. Uh, of course, four hundred and eighty or something. <laughs> just a huge, huge coffee with multiple shots of coffee in it and mm-hmm. a lot of milk. And I would drink one of those and then uh, a little while later be like, ooh, I can feel that hitting me. But I assume it's because I just drank a pint of coffee and milk, you know. Um, But a a year or two ago, a couple of years ago, I was working uh, this job like all the way across town. And I had to drive for like sort of 50 minutes an hour to get there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was driving just on a big stretch of road. Uh, basically nothing on the road. It's just a, a bit of highway. So if you wanted to stop, you would have to like get off and drive into a suburb kind of thing. And I was having this recurring experience of like drinking a coffee and eating breakfast at home and then getting into the car and driving for 40 minutes and then going, oh no. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, no, no. Uh, starting to sweat, you know, undoing my belt buckle in the car, uh, stuff like that. Parking, uh, parking, uh, where I would park like next to the shopping center and then it like (laughs) sprinting from the car into a bathroom. (laughs) There were a couple of times there where I was like, this is it. This is it today. I, a grown man, I'm going to shit in my pants in this car park. (laughs) Never happened, but really dangerous times you know so we've had a bit of a lactose free milk going around the house because i think um one of my daughters is lactose intolerant i think uh we've sort of been eliminating things and realizing that we think that's what's been giving her the old upset tummy Mm -hmm. she's been clearing rooms i can tell you that yeah my daughter she loves to fart she does (laughs) and she still does but at least it doesn't smell really bad now Mm mm-hmm uh sweetie if you're listening to this in <laughs> if you're listening to this in the cause of my death in 20 years time sorry <laughs> oh yeah sorry the bone i forgot to mention the bony island whitefish is also andrew's audio will have like I, I tell you what as i don't know if this is something you've considered right because you like myself have recorded hundreds of hours of podcasts right mm-hmm uh and I'm, I don't know whether it has sort of occurred to you at any point that if you have children and your children grow up, yeah. they're going to be like, oh, you mean my father recorded hundreds of hours of him talking to people about things? Mm-hmm. Perhaps I will listen. Because I'm sure if either of us had hundreds of hours of our dads talking to people in their 20s about things, you know, or their 30s, we would be very interested to hear that. I think so. Uh, and even more so, you know, if like, I think if you were to, uh, die at some point and your kids had this like massive wealth of things to listen to, mm-hmm. uh, to be like, wow, I'm gonna, I'm really going to get more of a sense of who he was as a person. Oh, he's talking about how bad my farts smell. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, this is good. I was going so well of not needing ther and not needing therapy. Yeah. But now I realize he's told dozens of people. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, not a very exciting breakfast. Uh, dinner was better. I, I, mean, I, I saw grilled. the bream. Uh, it was a snapper. Big old snapper. Snapper. My, my father-in-law, keen fisherman. Mm-hmm. Uh... But particularly, his favorite thing to catch is snapper. And so he goes out on his boat, and he catches a whole bunch of fish, and he cleans them, and he puts them in the freezer. And then when he comes to visit us, he mm -hmm. brings us a whole bunch of uh, nice fish. So my, my freezer is full of, like, uh, big frozen, like, whiting and, uh, like, gummy shark and snapper fillets. That's so uh, cool. But this was a, this was a whole whole snapper mm -hmm. that he had already like cleaned and descaled and everything so I put that bad boy in the grill I grilled Fantastic. it up scored it deep lots of salt and oil and everything uh, got some crispy skin some nice color uh, we ate that with like a, a sort of like a diced tomato and onion uh, olive oil and lime juice salad uh, and then all of that together in like a lettuce leaf. Mm -hmm. Nice little, nice little that bites. Looks, I, I saw on your. I, I, I'm not jealous of anyone, anyone on Twitter except you. <laughs> that hardly seems right. <laughs> Elon Musk is on Twitter, bro. <laughs> yeah, but his meals are probably. I, I imagine he eats some just dire meals because he tries to over-engineer them or make them epic. You're just like constantly. You're just constantly, like, you know, treating the food with the respect that it deserves. Well, I, I will disagree with you. I think that Elon Musk just has like a gigantic two-door fridge and every shelf is f stocked thick freaking, all the way to the back with Soylent. Uh, no, freaking bacon, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. one, one side of the fridge is just a lot of epic bacon and the other side is Soylent. Now you're missing the third side, which is pickles that all have the word Rick written on them. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. And you can keep your McDonald's Szechuan sauce in mm -hmm. the pantry. Mm -hmm, that's that's right. no problem. That's not going to go off. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, that was a nice dinner. Yeah, it's a nice dinner. I like to. That's that is one thing that has been very nice to me about working from home all the time is that I can like cook all the time. Great. And it means that I can like uh, slow cook stuff. I can do things in the smoker a lot more. Mm -hmm. So I can just go out and like put it on at lunchtime. Oh, it's so good. And then, you know, seven or eight hours later, you got some some delicious meats to eat, you know? That's fantastic. And I am, uh, I'm, I'm again, you're just making the case more that you're the only person it's reasonable to be jealous of. I'm a simple man living a simple life. Hmm. I work in my little office and then I cook a nice dinner. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's all you need in this world. Is a, a a nice little nice little grassy outlook. Something delicious on the grill, you know. It's life. That's trad life, baby. <laughs> uh, speaking of trad life, shall we talk about Bones' life? Hell yeah! Now for this episode of Bones, season five, episode twenty-two, the beginning in the end. We have a That's bones right. count of 17, mm -hmm. which is pretty much smack bang on the average. Yep. And a singular bone count of 17. Wow. Okay. They pretty much only said bones. 
during this one. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, we'll never, we'll never be, we'll never be in the same place as we were when we heard the, in, in, the eternal phrase, bones, take this bone to bone storage. <laughs> <laughs> All the way down to bone storage. Well, if my name's not Bones, so uh, the uh, the uh, the episode begins with a uh, with a, an, a stupid, a, 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 an idiot child, a mere an un- uh, undeniably moronic child, an, an undeniably moronic little child, um, who I'm sure now is like, you know, one of these. Um, because he's like probably ten or twelve here, this child is absolutely like. Um, well, I, I I imagine he's doing something the same right now as like the Cross Brothers, just making funny faces on TikTok and somehow giving investing advice. Um, <laughs> uh, just jumping up and down in his bed with plaster raining down in his stupid little fucking head, being like, "It's snowing! It's snowing!" So I'm jumping on the bed, moron. There's a little. There's a little bit of um little bit of character building there as the mother seems to suggest that he shouldn't be jumping on his bed and he does it too much and he was like yeah. yes but it's snowing so that's why i'm jumping mm-hmm. on my bed Doesn't that's make sense. not an fucking argument idiot. it's not an argument you fucking moron awful <laughs> child um and her mother his mother then uh <laughs> clarifies it's not the good kind of snow honey <laughs> Because Unlike the many other kinds of snow that you will see inside your apartment. Yes, because it is snowing inside the apartment because plaster is falling off the roof. Um, I, I, I don't want to do hate on this child too much. Uh, I think the writers have done him a disservice. The writers have, have typecast him as a moron for the rest of his life. Well, um, they'd have to put more than 30 seconds of their 45-minute writing time in. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. In order to, to deepen the, char- the characterization of this stupid child. Um, anyway, the ceiling collapses and a uh, oh, skeleton. Woo! Frightening. Yeah, basically. <laughs> says, hey, hey, look up there. Lots of cracks appearing in the ceiling. Destruction is imminent. She says, hey, you little fucking idiot. Come over here. <laughs> Boo! She's booing her child. Clutches Ooh, her dumbass, her dumbass child to her chest, uh, and the ceiling gives way. Lots of stuff tumbles out, too much, some might say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, eventually, a little skeleton falls out of there too. <gasps> She's like, "Oh, yuck!" <laughs> and immediately slams the door shut. Um, Which, as we all know, is the main effective defense against skeletons. Yeah. Well, because she, even though it's a level one, like probably a one hit kill, like she's she's a, an NPC and she needs a player character to come protect her. She's um, not even trying to get any XP of her own. Yeah, up, she could get some XP if she would just like kite the skeleton and then like hit it with damage over time. But no, she has to protect her stupid little escort mission. AI on that kid was terrible. But what he does say is he says, cool, dibs on the skull as though uh, someone else is going to be like calling the femur. <laughs> That's what happens when you find a, ske- a body. Yeah. Oh, missed it again. Ah, I, can't, I wish I called shotgun on the on the pelvis. You gotta <laughs> I'm remember. I'm trying to practice fucking. Um, so, oh, I rolled over my microphone cable. So, um, 
Anyway, and that's the end of, of the epic saga of those two characters. And we will never see them again. Completely uh, irrelevant. Back in season six. We don't know. Won't find out. Never going to find out. Nope. Um, so Bones and Booth arrive. Uh, and then Bones says, well, the victim is male and in his 40s. And Booth notes that she usually has a little more detail than this. Uh, but she seems distracted by the B-plot. She's very distracted by the B-plot in this one, isn't she? Making her think about her own mortality a lot. Mm-hmm. She's very sympathetic to the hoarder's cause throughout the episode, I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know he's a hoarder yet. Uh, well. So, spoiler alert for um, a minute from now. But, uh, she, she says, I'm very distracted. You probably heard about the full set of interspecies hominid remains found in Indonesia. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all over Oh, the yeah, for sure. Oh, those. <laughs> um... Yeah, and so then let's just like run let's run through the B plot right now, which is that um this very exciting dig. Uh and uh Daisy, who spends this entire time the entire time of this episode uh shrieking, um in excitement, uh is, is all is going to go work on this dig to discover because Daisy's like, you know, um a very bubbly version of Bones essentially. Um, and, and, and then Bones is like, oh, do I go work on this dig? But what about my partnership with my co-worker, Booth? Um, and uh, has to sort of agonize about whether or not to uh, go and do that. Given that it's the season finale, I'm sure they probably do. We'll find out. Anyway. And also, uh, Booth is having some problems of his own. Oh, yes. Well, we will get to those. Um, though, though that one was so goddamn. Like, it's... The problem is, but yeah, shall we just do that? Do that now? Let, let let's wait. We'll, we'll we can wait for Booth's okay. problem. But anyway, so Bones note they go upstairs to this guy's apartment because he fell through the ceiling, and it sort of turns out he's a hoarder. Oh dun, no! Dun, dun. <laughs> um, it's the worst thing you can be, probably. Again, and there was that the po- the show Hoarders was quite popular at this time, I believe. Oh. Um. Yeah, so just another rip from the headlines tale of Bonesy, Bonesy Woe. Just yet again, one of the writers from Bones has like looked up from the TV that is constantly blaring in the writer's room. <laughs> <laughs> Being asked what they're going to write about. Oh, fuck, Hoarders. Yeah, that's right. Good, um, put it on the whiteboard with the no other ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on the whiteboard and make sure you write it in large enough text that it takes up the entire whiteboard. That's right. This is Bones. This is the Bones writer's room. The the, the land where the first draft is king. Um, so there's a little bit of soy dialogue where um, uh, 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 Bo- Bones asks, did you find any, rem- any remains? Uh, and then sort of a combination of Booth and Sweets is like, no, but uh, we found 36 waffle irons. Uh, no, did you find any syrup? Uh, no syrup, sorry. Which is fucking sweet. So cool. I think That's the I really feel like yeah, with the with the B plot and everything in this one. Um which which as you said is specifically around what's happening with uh Booth and Bones and both of their very maudlin feelings about what will be revealed to be the over overarching and extremely heavy-handed theme of the episode, which is change. <laughs> uh, change, it happens, you know? Finally, some art addressed this. <laughs> um, 
Everyone remembers so, the famous Kafka story, Stasis, where yes. um, after waking from a night of disturbed sleep, Gregor Samso woke up <laughs> and found uh, himself late for work. He, he woke up and one of his friends was moving away. <gasps> he said, oh, the horror. Um, so so I, I think what kind of seemed to happen here is that they decided that the best thing to do would be to massively overcomp um, overcompensate on the comedy angle with some of the other staff members. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it went very well. No. No, uh, it did not. The C plot is an exercise in, well, it's an exercise in something. <laughs> um, I, I get, it's an exercise in certainly like, not even a first draft of, a, of, of, of ideation, just more like, um, like a, sort of a conversation in a lift. Uh, and that one really had me sort of thrown for a loop. Um, so the other thing is they uh, they find a pool of blood indicating that this almost certainly was not an accident. Again, also raising, like, how do the Bones team get called in, right? Because until they, like, this was just a dead guy. And they needed to find, like, a pool a pool of dried blood in the, in the flat above before they even ruled that it was a murder. So who called them? Yeah. Like, well, there's some, there's some weird to explain Bones here. Can you please spend I don't know millions of dollars of sort of government of of sort of as very stretched as it is government budget to um just come and see what you can see? I think what happens is uh, if the crime scene you know if the crime scene of the dead body is either extremely mysterious or seems like it's going to be a big hassle, you just call this Bones team basically. Yeah. Oh man, I've I'm. This seems like it's not just an open and shut case. It can't be solved by planting drugs on any nearby black people. I'm gonna <laughs> have to call the Bones team and then go to lunch. Call these Bones guys. Mm -hmm. See what that's all about. Yep. Hey, you guys got any uh, nerds who can come and quip? Anyone who can quip on this this death scene? <laughs> uh, anyway, they find the blood loss and then. The final, the final crystal method. <sighs> if you can, if you can drop that beat, uh, please. Too sad. Drop yeah. that Las Vegas beat. <laughs> I was really excited for it to be Santa. Um, was it just me or did they have a different intro sequence during this one um, I was writing notes <laughs> I did not look <laughs> I think I think they had like different different graphics and stuff during this one it's to get you hyped for season 6 that's true although of course the, the end of this episode is like will there be a season 6 of course there will it's the most financially successful show in history um, so, um, so we have um a scene where Booth and Sweets are sort of getting coffee and having some kind of stupid dialogue that is meaningless and goes nowhere. And then um, 
you might as well get like like an Oliver Stone um, sort of military uh, like like snare drum march playing as a um, a full bird colonel is just standing standing at ease by the coffee cart that Sweets and Booth are at, just staring at them. Ah, uh, the military told me I could find you here. <laughs> essentially, essentially, that's what they did. It was like, well, yes, we, the, the military knows where everyone is at all times, of course, and we send a full bird colonel to creepily watch them when we want to talk to them. Oh, uh, well, you know how good the military is at finding people. Oh, well, that's just it. They need a booth back so he can, and I'm not making this up, apply the same skills of tracking and apprehend to, to train the U.S. military personnel in Afghanistan, the same skills he use he uses to apprehend murderers in the U.S. Um, because they're like, yes, well, um, anyone fighting against us in Afghanistan is a murderer. Uh, it, these are the same people. <laughs> that is that's so cool well, they're like, gonna yeah, win their hearts and minds if it kills us <laughs> um yeah and it's uh, yeah. the whole thing is just framed like it's, as it's saving weird. lives it's it's framed as um we want you to come and we want you to come and be like jack reacher yeah uh we want you to teach everybody how to be uh a, a super cop mp kind of thing don't know why you would need that it seems like he would be more useful in his capacity as a mass murdering sniper yeah yeah just like he's gonna come he's gonna basically having left afghanistan just like again turning just turning the heads of like random teenagers into red mist just air holing people is coming back and teaching the U.S. military how to more effectively, like, black bag and rendition other teenagers. Yeah, it's about the size of it. And the entire thing is just, um, is, is entirely framed as, quote, saving lives. Saving lives saving somehow. lives you've been so good at saving lives in uh, in the u.s no he hasn't he only works after the people's dead that's the people have been killed. that's true you know uh there was the one where he uh where he shot the the person who was trying to kill bones with a scalpel yeah and he was like and he shot him but like with his gun and then the following several episodes the entire plot line was about whether or not he could be certified to use his gun in the field <laughs> yeah so he did an Ill he, he did the a reverse dan quinn an illegal kill not on indian soil um and so yeah the, the, the so this is his his agonizing thing so bones is she gonna go live her life's dream of um uncovering sort of the missing link between you know hominids and and, and modern humans and booth is he gonna go live his life's dream of uh rounding up his kd ratio to an even hundred <laughs> Get getting, that K getting that KD perfect, you know? And this is absolutely framed as comparable for both of them as, like, the fulfillment of their life's purpose. God. I'm going to go and, uh... <laughs> I'm going to go and... What's what's the name? The, the Maluku. I'm going to go and look at this Maluku situation in Indonesia or whatever. Indonesia. Uh-huh. I'm going to go and, uh... Do some murders. 
hey, you know, if this was 30 years ago, maybe we'd both be going to Indonesia. Yeah, um, Booth, Booth goes back to Afghanistan, and then, like, a year after that, we get a new show, which is, like, an... <laughs> Like Afghani investigators and forensic people trying to solve all of this. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was Booth again. Well, we, he's here uh, to save we, us we from found... ourselves, so we can't do anything about it. Ah, uh, we found another teen uh, with a bullet hole through the middle of his forehead. No tracks anywhere for a mile. <laughs> the, the... Uh, the season abruptly ends when all of the uh, investigators are also <laughs> killed by sniper fire. Yeah. Fucking hell. Oh, God damn. Imperial propaganda in 2010 just... It, it was much more ham-fisted, huh? Really... Really was. And it's going to get more so throughout the episode. Oh, yeah. Um, also, And here we also introduce the C-plot, um, which is that Angela's father has decided he's going to, like, test Hodgins. To see if Hodgins is worth dating his daughter. And also, Angela's father is the guy from ZZ Top. I think canonically yes. in the show, her dad yes. was in ZZ Top. Now, is, is, is it Billy Gibbons or is it the other one? I think it's the I, other one. I don't, I don't really know anything about ZZ Top. Uh, I just, this is basically most... I listen to techno. You know this about me. I don't really know anything about the other kinds of... It's like me and, you know, moms in the 70s and 80s were like very anti-rock and roll, but coming at it from entirely different directions. Um, well, is it Dusty Hill? He's one of the other beard guys. The The thing that was alarming to me is that um, the the dude is like wild skinny. Yeah. He looks as though perhaps he has um, like some type of cancer. I want to say, are the guys from ZZ Top still alive? Let me let me just say, um, if you go back and listen to like the the first ZZ Top album, great album. Mm-hmm. Haven't really listened to much of their stuff from like the eighties, more kind of uh, shiny eighties electric era, like the Eliminator kind of stuff. But if you go back and listen to like um, Trey Hombre, their second album, great album. Okay. Well, you know what? I might finally put aside my anti-rockist prejudices and give it a listen. No, I won't. I'm just going to listen to more like you know, <laughs> DVS One or something. <laughs> Which is cool because um, the songs are all very unsettling. That's what it's about. Yep. Yeah. DVS One specifically is about unsettling music. Actually, like all of what he, all of his songs seem like have the. Um, the sort of uh, uh, feel that you're being sort of stalked by a mechanical insect, um, which is, I think, because they have this like very sort of low creeping quality, but sort of mechanical because it's very sort of insistent and slowly accelerating, which I think is very cool. And he looks a bit like Bruce Willis. <laughs> That's the best part. I love going, <laughs> walking, in, walking into Bergheim and being like, oh, Bruce Willis. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Are we going to get I, a harmonica solo? I definitely, oh God. I definitely like me a bit of, um, a bit of like uh, menacing music, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. just quickly. Yeah. 
Were you aware that there was an animated TV show Bruno in the kid. 1996 called Bruno the Kid? Uh, yes, I was aware of that. It was, it aired prominently in uh, Canadian television. Really? I'd never heard of it before, like this year. It's got Mark Hamill in it. Mm-hmm. It's got Ed McMahon in it. Mm-hmm. And I can't figure out for the life of me who the fuck that show is for. Besides Bruce Willis. I think it's mainly there for Bruce Willis. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's probably, it's like many things, if you think back on them that are for children, it's kind of like the, it's less for someone and more the aftermath of a cocaine binge. Yeah, it has, like, it has extremely cocaine binge energy because like, it's... Like, it, here's the other one, Jackie Chan Adventures. That's, got an, that's another cocaine binge style show. I did for some reason recently get... Uh, a copy of apparently there was a rambo animated tv show <laughs> yeah of course of course there was and i don't know why i got it but i did um but I, so i'm super confused by it because basically it's it's bruce willis playing a child version of himself mm-hmm. uh bruno as he likes to be called yep uh he's an 11 year old who is also a spy some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also sings the theme song. He, uh, and then the, there's just like a lot of jokes in the show that are just about, like, that are just references to, like, Bruce Willis's movies and life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kids love that. And they made 36 episodes of it. Here's the thing. If you took exactly what you just said, sped it up, and added a big sniff in the middle, that would be the exact pitch discussion. So hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm a really funny guy, right? And everybody loves me. And like kids, they would love me too uh, if I wasn't just an old bald guy. But imagine if I was a kid. If I was a kid. If I was a kid and kids were watching me, kids would love it. Yeah, you just think, you know what else kids like? They're like, they're like spies. They're like spies. I could be a spy. I could be a spy. <laughs> it's the problem. I was, the problem is I was never in the movie Spy Kids because I'm not a kid. But the thing is animation, it allows you to like do whatever you want with your imagination. That's why it rhymes. And like, see, what you could do is you could make me into a kid with animation and then I could reach that whole new market. And I think like I have a lot to say to kids. Like, I think I'd be a pretty good dad. I don't even know if I'm a dad. Um, and so like, you know, you give me like jokes, make me a spy, like have like, um, like, cause I'm like the biggest actor ever. And then I could be the biggest there. And then I, if I'm the biggest in the kid market, then when the kids grow up, then I'll be the biggest among them. And they'll all, it's like smoking, right? You get them started while they're young. If, if he was doing this now, you know what the problem is? Is that he would use, like, the Irishman digital de-aging to cast himself <laughs> in a live-action show. Imagine trying to digitally de-age Bruce. someone into, like, a child. <laughs> or digitally de-aging Bruce Willis into being 11 for a live-action reboot of Bruno the Kid. But yeah. we're having that. <sighs> but here's the key. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. It's Bruno the Kid, so it's for kids, but it is a beat-for-beat beat remake of The Shield. Where child Bruno, <laughs> <laughs> we, re- we replace Michael Chiklis <laughs> with D. D. H. Bruce Willis. Oh boy! Imagine. <laughs> you own these streets. I own these streets. <laughs> oh boy, where where were we? Ah, uh, some stu- the ZZ Top thing. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I- 
basically Angela ZZ Top Dad has like lost his soy car. Uh, there's a cherry red roadster that you know people look at and open their mouths. Uh, For the record, to, it, it was it was Billy Gibbons, and also he's still alive. He's just really fucking thin now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to a biker gang in a poker game, uh, and he's like, "If you want to date my daughter, be married to my daughter, you have to, um, you, you you have to you have to steal my car back from these bikers." So this is these are the three plots that are going on in the police procedural, which is um, the the hoarder the murder of the hoarder is basically just like sort of plotted along with and sort of different clues being given by magic at various points. Um, no, nobody is interested. It serves it serves one hundred percent as just something there for Bones to look at and say, ah, mortality and also change. <laughs> Change, change, change. Yeah. Um, doing that. Yeah. So uh, we'll sort of get. There's a few more interesting things about that plot, though. Number one, there's some straight up landlord propaganda too, um, where they question the guy's landlord, and he's like, "Oh, I've been trying to evict him forever. He wasn't paying his rent. He was never answering his phone." And Booth is just like, "Well, though, so that's why you killed him." So, and the guy's like, "No." I didn't kill him, and I'm saying I didn't kill him. Um, and that's how you know I didn't kill him. Um, and then Booth is like, well, if he was such a bad tenant, why didn't you just turn off the heat, force him out? And he's like, ugh, unfortunately, that's illegal. The goddamn, the goddamn SJW liberal elite. <laughs> yeah, keeping, keeping this honest working landlord from torturing his tenant. Um... And then he finishes, now I've got to pay for that ceiling that collapsed. I can't afford that and a lawyer. So um, the poor landlord's being held hostage by Big Tenant. <laughs> big Tenant, those motherfuckers. Just, again, just, just what? And, and the, like, again, nothing is gained from this interrogation. They don't learn anything. They just learn that the landlord didn't kill him because he was unable to resort to uh, torture due to um, restrictive laws. Um, didn't kill him mainly because he's not allowed to do that. Yeah, yeah. He, the landlord broke no laws. He didn't turn off the heat, and he didn't kill him. Uh, so off he goes back to landlording. Well, and as we all know, in any given episode of Bones, uh, if somebody is asked if they did a crime and they say that they didn't, that's the end of that. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Then the, they, they go to the... This is where they have the, the, the conversation I wrote down about the B-plot, where Booth is wondering whether or not to go to Afghanistan and, you know, train people in black bagging. And um, Bones is like, you could train soldiers for tracking and apprehending insurgents. I'm happy enough just tracking and apprehending murderers. Bones, you could save lives. Yeah, you could you could save Amer you could save American lives, the ones that count, the ones that matter. Yeah, and also just like yeah, just drawing a, a compare drawing a one to one comparison between insurgents fighting in a war and like people who killed their like girlfriends or whatever. So cool, Bones. It's awesome. It's uh yeah, and it really makes me think. It's it's really carried through to very recent events where uh, one of the final acts in the presidency of Donald Trump was to pardon uh, a bunch of Blackwater mercenaries who did a massacre. Mm -hmm. 
uh, over there, and you know, it was it, they weren't even like they weren't even soldiers. They weren't even serving under like America's flag or anything at the time. They weren't there for any America-specific reason. And the only purpose that there seemed to be to that pardon was solely to say to the rest of the world, uh, if you think that we are going to be accountable to any of you for anything, you are sorely fucking mistaken. Mm-hmm. Because it's up to us to hold ourselves to account, and we won't. Yep. Um, try holding Not really our thing. <laughs> try holding podcasters accountable. Can't do it. Yeah, uh, and he, so the next scene actually, I think, is like super slams that point home because, like, they said they really focus on it. This is a all B plot episode, basically. Um, where Booth is driving home from a baseball practice with his kid in a scene that I'm pretty sure was guest directed by Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> can Can you give me your opinion? Um, did his son seem like he was about five years older than he was at the start of the season? Uh, yeah, I think his son was probably exposed to depleted uranium and <laughs> has now been aging very quickly. He's got reverse Jack disease. Uh, that kid is, yeah, that, that kid is hulking out. Yeah, new kid each time. But yeah, he's like, Daddy, why don't you go save lives in Afghanistan? Um... And it's it's I was so put in mind of the scene in Starship Troopers where the little kids like I'm doing my part. Yep. This is just just like Norman Rockwell, but like painting a Halo Two warthog mowing down like <laughs> um, nuns in Guatemala, essentially. That's that. This is this is the this is the aesthetic of this episode of Bones is a murderous Norman Rockwell painting. And acting like it's all very normal. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the kid. And it, I was almost expecting the the scene in the car with the kid to be like, um, "You could guide Afghanistan to peace, like the Toyota RS guides us home with his <laughs> GPS system." Oh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> just murderous imperial propaganda and Toyota <laughs> advertising. Um, God. All right. So uh, I guess there's also a D plot, which is that Daisy is asking Sweets to move with her to the Maluku Islands, and then just because she's going to move, he's like, "What? A fucking island full of brown people? Yeah, there's no FBI there, Daisy. You fucking idiot. (laughs) Yeah, what am I going to do? Start join the Indonesian Bureau of Investigation? I Um, thought they were fucking. I thought they were getting married or got married or some shit earlier in the season. I was I was confused by this. Or like engaged. And then she moves, yeah. and he's like, I don't think I'm going with you, and I don't think you should wait for me. Bye! And then she's like... Oh, wait, sorry. Hold on. It's, it's, it's coming back to me. It was... Um, yeah. some, something happened to Sweets where he was either, like... He, he was, like, um, had some sort of close call and started, like, you know, question, due to his trauma, started questioning all of his, like, life choices and all that kind of thing. And he was like, I've decided. Daisy! Want you to be my forever girl. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Really? I'm fucking annoying. <laughs> I'm so annoying, and I have sure that did? stupid hair flip that people had in 2010." Yeah, have you heard me screech when I'm excited? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then at the end of this episode, the D plot is just him being like, "Yeah, sorry, <laughs> never mind," and her being like, uh, "There's 30 seconds left in the episode. I agree." Yeah, he's like, uh, you know when I said that I wanted to be with you forever, 
uh, I didn't mean like a year. I didn't mean I would wait like a year. A year is a long time. It's 12 months, Daisy. <laughs> the fuck? Uh, a lifetime commitment. No questions. Just add some punctuation in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So basically, we basically. No questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> lifetime commitment? No questions asked. Um, so meanwhile, Hodgins is searching through the victim's apartment, identifying that maybe. Uh, it was something work-related because he seems mostly like he was hoarding, you know, papers and work stuff. And apparently, someone offered him fifty thousand dollars for some one of his prized possessions last month. Um, also, it transpires that uh, the the pool of blood um, was from a being struck with uh, with something that then sort of healed, and it, he starved to death, trapped under his own hoarded garbage, uh, like in that episode of The Simpsons. It was it was because um, the lady that he had a struggle with pushed over a fan. Uh, no, it was the guy that he had a struggle with at this because he had two struggles. So oh. it was the struggle with the man who was trying to buy the gnome. He had to pay fifty thousand. A guy like a like a very large black man with a face tattoo. Um, it's like I was trying to buy this gnome from him, and then he wouldn't sell me the gnome for fifty thousand dollars because I was a collector of this gnome. Um, and, you know, uh, so, you know, um, my precious uh, gnome. Yeah. And so I pushed him and then I left, uh, and they're like, damn, okay, that's enough. We can tie this man to the murder. Uh, and then the judge is just like, you don't have enough. All you know is that this guy pushed him and then walked out. And they're like, come on. We really think he did it. Let us jail this man forever. Come on, judge. Come like, on. Sorry, I'd love to let you do it, got Bones Crew, but I'm afraid you just don't have quite enough evidence to, j to just throw this man in jail on the basis of a very incomplete story. It's always very arbitrary when they decide uh, that they do or don't have enough evidence for something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the 1941 Fiesta Ware Gnome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's see... Um, so at, oh, at one point also, because they find it's a work-related hoarding incident, they call in one of his co-workers. <laughs> and sorry, that's like, a great phrase. Yeah, <laughs> work-related hoarding incident. They call in one of his co-workers, who was like, ah, oh, you know, this whatever his name was was a a nice man, but very deeply disturbed. Um, and no, he didn't make. There was no sort of malfeasance, nothing to do with work, etc., etc., etc. So, um. Here we go. And because there's like five minutes left in the episode and they've already are like, well, we can't put this black man away because unfortunately we don't have any evidence for it. All we know is that, you know, he pushed him and then left. We don't know if that killed him. Um, so I, because it had then ended so quickly, um, I actually copied and pasted this from the IMDB episode summary. So the coworker is quickly back in the hot seat. She confesses that she always loved the man and ripped down his curtains one day to force him to acknowledge the outside world. He lost it, she cries. He attacked me, so I pushed him in the, the fan at him and ran away. I didn't think it killed him. So yeah, apparently there was a love story here that yeah, was not telegraphed, couldn't have been possibly worked out by anyone. Um, and they're just like, oh shit, um, we didn't put enough evidence to make it the guy, the, the man murdering him over the gnome. So instead, we have to make it something else. And they threw a little dart, and it landed on um, driven 
driven mad by love, accidental killing. And then they wrote that into the last five minutes of the episode. <laughs> there it is. Uh, That's the finale of, Bo of, of the Boney Island Whitefish. It is in perfect, perfect, perfect form. The Bones writers just sort of gave up. Yeah, it's, it's like it's literally just dismissed so quickly. So quickly. Like, are they going to go ahead go, with the charge? Uh, because it was clearly an accident? I don't know. They don't care. That's Why somebody do else's problem. Yeah. It's not, bone squad out. <laughs> That's somebody else's issue. Yeah. Frankly, not interested. So um, wrapping up the C plot as well, Hodgins and Sweets get dressed up all in black and go break into the uh, biker's illegal gang hideout. Um Hodgins doing some wacky car, stuff in there too. The ZZ Top man is just waiting at the car for him, being like, family's about doing stuff together. And Hodgins like, what? It was a test. <laughs> it was a test the whole time. And then um, yeah, ZZ Top Sling Blade says, not exactly. Now I suggest we uh, get in the car and drive away. Um, and then there's some more sort of stupid soy dialogue where he's like, oh, I'm stealing ZZ Top's car. Epic. Ah. And um, uh, they sort of escape in this cherry red roadster. And Bones is off to the Maluku Islands. Booth is off to Afghanistan. Then Angela and Hodgins are like, well, let's go live in Paris for a year. <laughs> I forgot that I'm independently wealthy. We, in fact, we all are. Yeah, they, they really did just determine this by saying... Um hey, I'd, I don't want to break in a new FBI agent and a new forensic person, so what if we just don't do our jobs for a year? Mm -hmm. Then yep, they're like, the, cool. Let the bodies pile up. Let's just get out of here, you know? Yeah. Turns out my responsibility was never to <laughs> anybody. <laughs> I didn't have any principles or anything like that. Nope, it's all about friendship. And... So, so now that, like, like you said, we've sort of arrived at the point where Bones has decided that she's going to go off and do this other thing. She's, she said that, you know, she spends a lot of time worrying about Booth and she feels like she could be doing something kind of worthy and of note with her life and her skills and everything. And the murders are never going to stop, she says quite grimly. But this is the point at which we can say, going back through the episode, basically Everything in the episode has served as a vehicle for Bones to forlornly look at it and say, everything is changing. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, <laughs> that's it. And they decide to basically go all in on this narrative by just saying, okay, everybody involved is just gonna, just gonna fuck off and do something different. Mm -hmm. And you, you know? know that everything changes for and good that's the kind of 12 seasons of Bones. And that's the kind of subtlety that we really enjoy from the writers of Bones is that mm -hmm. uh, while they could, you know, have, have a bunch of things happening, uh, they could enjoy their symbolism of the, the hoarded material possessions uh, of a hoarder weighing down their life, stopping them from truly living. Mm -hmm. Instead, they have to literally have the lead character turn to the camera at multiple points throughout the episode and say, everything is changing. <laughs> everything is changing and it feels strange. 
This is a, it's it's designed to be analyzed in like year nine media studies classes to really sort of give you the theme. Really Shakespearean stuff. It's not it's not actually a text. It's a study guide to a text that does not have an underlying text. Yeah. There's no subtext involved. Uh-huh. It's just text. They're not even text. It's super text. Yeah. It is. It's right there. Uh-huh. I, I would note as well, though, that um, the, the other things that I enjoyed throughout this episode was um, was Bones empathizing with the hoarder throughout the episode um, and making glum statements to people like, hey, really, the value that we place in objects is subjective. Maybe all of the things that we treasure are also worthless shit. <laughs> And I think given given the time that it is on the clock, given the time that we have on the clock, I think that is what we, the Boney Island Whitefish, might have to leave with you as our final observation about season five of the show Bones, the only season of the show Bones analyzed by the podcast, the Boney Island Whitefish. That is right. Thank you for coming with us on this journey. Thank you, Riley, for talking me into doing this. And, uh... <laughs> Thank you, I Andrew, enjoy. for being talked into this. I had a great time um, <laughs> since we started. I'm about to. I'm about to joyfully go and delete bones from my Plex server. <laughs> yeah, you know, the ode to joy will play as as you just see the bar counting down to zero. Zero bones left. I'm gonna joyfully shoot my server with a gun, aiming just for the platter with bones on it. <laughs> well, that's that booth skill. Solve that one. I'll it say. proves the president couldn't have been murdered by a CIA agent. Solve that one, Jeffersonian Medico Institute for Sexual Harassment. Ah, that's right. Well, hey, you know, from our family to yours, solve that one. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.